Hey there, and welcome to the Unlikely Artist Podcast, where I'll teach you how to gain the freedom you need to become who you want, instead of who you've been telling yourself you need to be. I'm Heather Kerr. I went from international tax to art and coaching because those are the things I've been yearning to do. Listen in to find out how you can start doing what you love to in slow, easy steps each week. Let's dive in now. Hello, Savvy Soul. So today we're going to talk about feelings and in particular, why your emotional vocabulary matters. So often we're up in our heads and we're not in our hearts. And that's because we live in a culture that worships reason and analysis and clean thinking and logic. And I think that we believe that to achieve our goals, whatever they might be, the best thing to do is to figure it out. To solve our challenges, we need to think through all the options and the repercussions. And in other words, if we had a really sophisticated computer that could go through all the permutations and combinations, all the possibilities and things that could happen, that computer would be able to come up with better answers and solve our problems better than we're capable of doing. And my friends, this just isn't true. The truth is that how we feel, the emotions we're experiencing affect pretty much everything. So I've got this friend, I interviewed her earlier on in the podcast. Her name is Dion England. And she just launched a book called Build Trust at Work. And it's all about different environments, different companies, and why some are successful and why some aren't. And it's all around the feeling of trust they're able to create inside with their employees. Do the employees trust them? Do they trust management? And do their customers trust them? Is there that feeling that they can rely on what the company says and what it promises it's going to do. And that, my friends, is a feeling. Trust is the emotional experience of the customers and the employees. So another example of the impact of feelings, I've noticed myself, I talk a lot on social media, and that's partly how I attract new coaching clients and share what I have to share with the world. And I found that I could put out an identical post on social media, say on LinkedIn. And if at the time I were writing the post, I were thinking, wow, I hope this gets me some clients. I'd probably be feeling an uncertain anxiety. And the people who read it would feel that energy that I had when I was writing it they'd feel my uncertainty and my anxiety would be communicated to them. And people wouldn't know why, but they'd read the post, they'd feel uncomfortable, and they'd definitely be uninspired. But if I said pretty much exactly the same thing, but I wrote it from a place where I'm thinking, I can't wait for them to discover how much they're going to change once they listen to what I have to say here. I'd be feeling totally different. I'd be feeling excited and generous and helpful. And even though I said pretty much the same thing as in the first example, the people who read it 
would pick up on the energy of those new emotions and they'd receive like a gift and they'd feel really comfortable. They might not know why they feel more comfortable, but the feelings I'm experiencing when I write stuff is translated into the energy of the post, translated into how the post resonates with people as they read it. We keep denying that feelings matter and we believe that we can form a complete picture without them. And we think of feelings as something soft, but notice that when you walk into a meeting, you can feel the energy of the room. You can immediately tell, all of us can do this. Are the people in the room kind of hostile? Are they mostly friendly? Is there kind of a cooperative atmosphere? Is there some kind of level of discontent or irritation? And we know as humans, we know that how people are feeling when we walk into the room is going to affect how the meeting plays out. And it's not just in the business world. It's the same thing. Things, if we go to a party or we're going to give a speech, or even when we meet a friend for dinner, we feel the mood of the other people or the person. We feel their energy and it affects the outcome. How everyone's feeling has a huge impact on the way the conversation will flow. And if we don't address the other person's feelings, if we don't speak to them at that emotional level, the conversation won't feel smooth, we won't connect, it won't feel inspiring, it won't feel friendly, it just won't feel any of the things. I think that's why, obviously, to give a really dramatic example, if you hear somebody speaking and they're speaking in a monotone, that really is disconnecting because we can't hear any emotion in that. That's why whenever I'm going to buy an Audible book, I always make sure to listen to a sample ahead of time because I don't care how brilliant the book is if I can't hear emotion in the reader's voice. It's just not going to connect with me and I'm not going to be able to take it in. How we think and feel creates the energy that fuels our actions and creates our results. When we ignore how we feel, we're missing an important ingredient. We're missing important clues that explain why what we're doing is working or it's not working. Why we are or we're not achieving the outcomes that we're hoping for. That's why my clients and I spend a lot of time exploring their feelings. We're like detectives trying to determine why what's happening is happening and how we can change that. And that's also why their emotional vocabulary matters, why your emotional vocabulary matters. I've got this book that I forget about. And then when I remember it, I'm so happy. It's called Dictionary of Emotions by Patrick Michael Ryan. And it has 343 pages of definitions of words for feelings, moods, and emotions. Now the book is in alphabetical order, so it's kind of hard to use. You can't say to yourself, I'd like to find a feeling for this and find it. But what it does do is it's really useful guide to help you expand your emotional vocabulary. What I like to do is leaf through it from time to time 
and just digest a bunch of words so that they're in the back of my mind. And in that way, I can expand my own emotional vocabulary. And why would I do something that's that boring? It's because the more specific we can get with our vocabulary for feelings, the deeper the level of awareness is that we can build about what's happening in our lives. I think I'm in pretty good company when I believe that the specificity of our vocabulary, the specificity of our feeling vocabulary is important. In Benet Brown's Atlas of the Heart, she categorizes 87 emotions and experiences because, as she says, if we want to find the way back to ourselves and one another, we need language and the grounded confidence to both tell our stories and be stewards of the stories that we hear. So by understanding these 87 emotions and experiences that she describes in her book, Brene says that we can create a framework for meaningful connection. What I believe is that when we're talking about connection, we can only develop connections with others that are as good as our connections with ourselves. If we only know to say, oh, I feel good or bad, or I feel happy or sad, or worse, we've lost our capacity completely to even know if we feel good or bad, and that sometimes can happen. We lose opportunities for deeper connections with others and better understandings of ourselves. And it's really something that's worth developing and working on if that's where we are. I don't know about you, but the times I most struggle are the times I get into my head, the times I disconnect with my feelings. When I get into my head, it's usually because I'm avoiding seeing something or experiencing something I don't want to see or experience. I'm not taking into account aspects of the issue that are hugely important. So years ago, my therapist asked me if I'd noticed that every time she unearthed an important point that would be good for me to explore, I'd skip right over it. I'd just ignore what she said and I'd start talking about the next logical thing without even realizing I was doing that. And I'd miss the insight or the revelation into my own behavior and what was fueling decisions that I was making that weren't working for me. And that's because I wasn't wanting to go into my emotions. And since I avoided doing that so much, I had a pretty limited emotional vocabulary. The main emotion I allowed myself mostly to notice was anger. I think that's because anger so often can feel powerful and much safer than the softer emotions, the kind of emotions that were below the surface for me, things like sadness and loneliness and shame. Those were emotions I did absolutely everything I could not to feel. My therapist said to me, you know, Heather, your feelings won't kill you. And this surprised me. Honestly, when she said that, it was such a huge revelation for me because I'd been secretly thinking I couldn't withstand 
feeling any of those emotions. That's why I was trying so hard to push them away. I learned that it's possible to feel any emotion, even the difficult ones like shame and unworthiness and loneliness and despair. And over time, I discovered the skill of feeling all of them. And that, my friends, was so amazing because I could see how hard I tried to avoid these more difficult feelings and not recognizing them didn't make them less there. In fact, and you may have noticed this too, not recognizing your feelings, it keeps them in your body, ready to pop up and affect your behavior in unpredictable ways. Whereas actually feeling your emotions and allowing them to be there allows you to unearth what's really happening for you. Explore why that's happening. Process and release the emotion and make decisions that are fully informed. Decisions that will lead you to new outcomes and not to keep repeating your old patterns. So savvy souls, when you expand your emotional vocabulary, what you're really doing is creating enhanced awareness of what makes you tick and what's driving you to behaviors that don't work or helping you create your successes. For example, suppose you attended a meeting and your colleague talked for five minutes straight about something and you really notice that you're not enjoying it at all. And if you just notice you feel bad, that really doesn't give you any information you can work with. Or if you just notice that you're feeling angry, if you just leave it at that, you'll probably just judge that person as wrong in some way, which doesn't teach you anything useful. But if you've got a better emotional vocabulary, you'll know that anger often covers up deeper emotions. And then you can ask yourself, why am I feeling angry? Why is this person talking for five minutes making me feel angry? What's really going on here for me? This might involve you asking yourself why several times before you unearth what it really is. Things like, I hate the fact that he was promoted instead of me. I'm feeling jealous. Or I've got something to say too, but I'm not speaking up because I'm feeling so insecure about my abilities. Or I've got something to say too, but I'm feeling nervous and uncertain about what it's okay to speak about here and who gets to speak. Or I don't want to be here. I am so, so bored. Or I've been at this job for too long. I'm feeling jaded and critical. It's only once I know whether the reason I'm not feeling good is because I'm feeling jealous or insecure or uncertain or bored or jaded that I know how to solve the problem. Instead of keeping going to meetings and feeling angry or just noticing that I don't feel good about this person when they talk too much, instead, I know that I need to explore what it would take to get promoted or I need to work on my self-confidence or I need to learn more about my environment and what's tolerated and okay to do. I need to try speaking at the next meeting without permission, or I need to attend fewer meetings, 
or maybe I even need to search for a new position that infuses me with more interest and curiosity and a willingness to hear my colleagues. When you expand your emotional vocabulary, you're increasing your self-awareness in leaps and bounds. This is good because as I often tell my clients, you usually can't change other people. Try as you might, but you can look at yourself and see what your role is in any situation. You can look at yourself and begin to understand the impact you can have by changing what's going on inside you instead of wishing other people would change. Your environment were different or the world were different. By understanding you and focusing on your own reactions and how to change them, you exert the most control over your world. Your expanded emotional vocabulary also allows you to connect more deeply with other human beings. It's like in my episode, a couple of episodes ago, I think it was episode 59 maybe, was war and something else. Anyway, it's the episode where I talked about the Ukrainian violinist and that feeling of what I call beautiful sadness. And then I found a Russian word to Tosca for it. But I thought that was so interesting in terms of the specificity of the feeling in terrible inhuman conditions like war, like the killing of civilians and children, it's easy to start feeling very disconnected, to constantly scan the news, searching for information and new facts and data and revelations, to try to figure out how long will it last? When will it be over? How far will it spread? How many casualties so far? How many more will occur? And absolutely none of that is useful. It feels useful, but actually accomplishes nothing. But when we hear violins from around the world playing sad music and solidarity, solidarity and support, and we notice the feeling of beautiful sadness rising up in us, that's very connecting. That's binding us together as humans from our heart space. And the beauty part of the beautiful sadness puts us in touch with the hope of being human. That's why the precision matters so much. It's not just sadness, it's not just despair, but it's a beautiful sadness that puts us in touch with hope. And it's when we allow ourselves to feel this combination of beauty and sadness that we're spurred to give money and to send supplies and offer love it's the feeling, it's the getting out of our heads and into our hearts that propels us to take the best action. Savvy souls living in our heads just gets us spinning in circles. Intentional feelings helps us create what we want. And we can only get intentional by developing the emotional vocabulary to see and understanding what's going on inside us so that we can control the only thing we can control, how we show up, how we connect with others, the energy we share and our impact on the world. My prognosis for you, Savvy Souls, notice your feelings, don't dismiss them, allow yourself to feel them, and then explore them more deeply. Expand your emotional vocabulary, buy the dictionary of emotions, 
or Atlas of the Heart. I'll put the links to those in the show notes. And I don't make any money from doing that. They're just books that have been really useful to me. Expand your capacity to influence your world. The greater your emotional vocabulary, the more compassion you'll feel for yourself and for others. And that's what I want most of all for you and for me and for all of us, a more compassionate world. Savvy Souls, if you enjoyed this episode, if you thought there were things of value in here, please tell your friends, family about it, share my podcast with them. I would love to reach even more people and help more people. This is how I offer free value into the world. And that's why I put my heart and soul into this. I love you guys and I'll see you next time. So if you're energized by the possibilities you're hearing about on this podcast, but you're wondering how it's possible to actually make what you've been fantasizing about doing actually happen, I'd love you to join me for a free strategy session where we'll talk about coaching together. We'll explore how you can start making what you want possible by taking small, easy steps that add up to something amazing. Just click on the link in the show notes below this episode to book your free call. I'd love to meet you live. And all my listeners, remember, it's finally your time to do what you want.